Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you've given us yet another day that we may partake in your word and we may fellowship together and be on one accord. And Lord, I'm just so grateful that you have kept their lives, Lord, in good health I'm grateful, Lord, that you are doing mighty works through your people. And I'm thankful, Lord, for the grace that you've given us that we may all grow to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. So, Lord, I'm asking for those who couldn't be here tonight that you watch over them, that you guide them and keep them. For the enemy has his snares. He's got lots of tricks, Lord. And that's one reason why you have called us, Lord, to come unto you, that we might be separated as a people, Lord, that are reflecting you, that are a part of your image, Lord, that we will glorify the King of Kings and we will not be partakers, Lord, of this world. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion. Every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Lord, I pray for the brethren, for the ministries, for those who are out there really at war, Lord, with the enemy. I pray that you open up your windows and pour out a blessing upon them, Lord. Be it spiritual, Lord. Be it carnal. Whatever it is that they need, Lord, push them into what they need to and give them and, and make sure, Lord, that they never lack. And I pray, Lord, that no flesh be glorified tonight. I pray that no man's heart get hurt. I pray that you will show up here, Lord, and teach us your word and that your spirit may come upon us mightily. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful and just and true and worthy of all praises. Lord, open the hearts and the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear. Lord, please don't let these words fall on deaf ears. But let it be something to where we hear you, Lord, and that we become empowered by it, that we might do your righteous works. Do it, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So tonight's study is going to be called Separate to Elevate. And this is the fourth part of our study. Separate to elevate. Now, in the beginning, remember we went over what uh, uh, having our senses exercised to discern good and evil. Then we went into sound doctrine and how important that is. Then we went into enduring hardness as good soldiers of Christ. And now we're going into separation for elevation. Why? Because none of the three even matter if we are not in that place where we can grow spiritually that God can work in us. The Bible talks about this many times. Paul mentions many times that we are not to 
quench the Spirit of God, that we are not to grieve the Holy Ghost of God. So the Bible always talks about being strong in the faith and being strong in grace, not taking our grace for granted. But I think what the Lord was, is trying to show me, you know, um, for coming forward with this study is that as we tend to grow, that we may not be able to measure how strong we really are spiritually. But because of this, the devil can actually pour water on our fire if we let him. So that's something that we've got to understand about how important it is that we separate to elevate at times because, you know, when we start giving the old man a little bit too much life and we start giving him strength, he'll, he'll look for a happy medium. And that's why we got to do another study on the strong man because the strong man is a very deceptive spiritual being that if he can find a happy medium, that's okay with him mm -hmm. because either way it doesn't please the Lord. So you see, we can be big into the Lord and, you know, we can pray, we can fast, we can do all this. But then the devil will say, okay, mm -hmm. let's, you know, let's stop here. Because after all, I believe that the Lord is pleased. And we can relax there. And what ends up happening is we might be giving at this point the Lord 70% of what we're dealing with. Yeah, you can give them the box. But 70% of what we're um, dealing with, you know, and God wants us to reach the fullness of his stature. So the devil is very slick. Like I said, he could not stop us from believing in Jesus Christ. He could not stop us from seeking the Lord. But if he can keep Christ from fully being manifested in you, man, his job is accomplished. He'll take 90% of Jesus. Because only 100% of Christ is what gets the job done. Amen. That's something that we've got to understand. When we are truly led by the Spirit of Christ, I'm not saying we can't do righteous works at 50, 40, 30, but the devil knows that God makes his ministers a flame of fire. And that's the last thing he wants us to do is catch fire. Because at that point, that's the end game. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Christ in 2018 doing what God calls him to do. So... I believe separation is important because what happens is, as we go through the world, the enemy takes his licks, he takes his silent hits. Some of them we don't even know are present. But we realize that when we get home at night and we're trying to connect with the Lord, and we didn't have that direct pipeline like we had early this morning. There's a reason for that. You feed on the world, you feed the old man. If he gets stronger, your spiritual man gets weaker. So what God wants us to do is to know how to separate to elevate. This is pretty much, in my opinion, the single most important study that we might ever do because of the fact that, you know, full growth in Christ is what it's all about. Because some people will say, Martin, you've asked me, you know, a couple of times, you know, like, how do we do this? Okay, we know what we should do. How do we do it? More of Jesus less of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, the more we give to him, the more we take up his mind, we take up his nature. We won't have to try and figure out what we do for Christ. We will do those things because Christ truly lives in you. Amen. Does that make any sense? Totally. All right, let's get started. Let's go to Matthew uh, 16. And from here, we're going to add two short clips today, too, of um, one video I think is relevant and another one you know, there was a guy talking about how mind control is just something that the enemy is doing, like a lot of silent things that they're doing, even as far as your phones. And, man, you know, it just gave me a different perspective. The Lord showed it to me today. So I was just like, you know what, let me play it. You know, let's just 
get into it, but they're two short clips. One is like two minutes, the other is like eight minutes, and we'll get right back into the scripture. But for right now, let's go to Matthew 16, and let's begin at verse 1. So it says, uh, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would shew them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, uh, uh, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red. And lowering, he said, And lowering, uh, O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky. But can ye not discern the signs of the times? So we got to understand what Jesus is talking about here is for every believer that is aware of the words of Jesus Christ, that we should be able to read the times that we are in, just like we can read whether it's about the rain or if it's a sunny day out or, you know, whatever. He's saying we should be able to see these things. So he says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. So you remember what the sign of Jonas was, that, you know, he would spend three days, three nights in the heart of the earth, just like um, Jonas was three days, three nights in the belly of the whale. Why? Because that number three is always standing for rebirth or death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, so that's a transformation period. So... What we understand here is he's saying that they wouldn't get a sign. But one thing we are finding with people that are of the world, it's like you ever notice when people are in love with the world, you can tell them something is coming. Or you can say, you know, something is, let's just say um, an apocalypse or something is going to take place. But you ever notice what, what is the main thing that people ask you? Well, when is this going to happen? You know what? It really shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter because what's most important is us discerning whether or not we get to do the righteous works of God. But when people hear bad news, the first thing people are saying, well, when is this going to happen? You know what? That shouldn't even matter. It, what should matter is what does Jesus want for us to do? Because whether the world is beginning or ending, whether at times are bad or good, we ought to be, like Paul says, instant, in season and out of season. To do the righteous works of God. Amen. So you can tell when someone loves the world when they're seeking for signs of the end. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong. We're not supposed to be ignorant of these things. But what you find in many cases is people are wanting to know. What they're really asking you is, how much time do I have to live my worldly life yes. before the coming of Jesus Christ or what's going to happen? So, see, Jesus didn't even want to answer them. He said, you know what? You guys can't discern. You know what? You can discern the sky. But yet you're asking me for a sign? If you knew your Old Testament, you would know that the Bible told you that I'm coming. And that was going to set off a whole bunch of events. But you ignore Jesus. And that's what's so funny. People will pay attention to all these prophecies. But to know Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is to know the end times. But when you try and tell people about the Bible, you ever notice? They always take you to, oh, well, see, without religion. Can you explain it to me in a better way? No, I can't. Okay? I'm only telling you what the Bible says because the Bible is accurate. Amen. All right. So it says, And when his disciples would come to the other side, they have forgotten to take bread. Now, this is a big part. Whenever you hear words in the Bible like the other side, 
that means like a crossing over. These are words that we can't really overlook. You know, I mean, these are this is saying that they forgot bread for a purpose. <laughs> I mean, not that they meant to, but verse six. Then Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have taken no bread. And uh, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye, do ye yet not understand, neither remember the five loaves and the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves or the four thousand, or how many baskets ye took up? So Jesus is saying, hey, I did this miracle twice, once for 5,000, once for 4,000. But you see how their minds are still carnal looking for bread? They didn't even understand when he was talking about the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees was their unbelief. It was their carnal thinking. It was there to push people to try and be more spiritual by their own righteousness, but not to follow up on the true faith, which you can only have in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he said, man, did you not understand this? Look at verse 11. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? You know why? Because Jesus Christ is the bread of life. Amen. If you've got him, you've got everything. Verse 12. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees uh, and of the Sadducees. And Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that the Son of Man uh, am? So it's interesting. He talks about the Pharisees and Sadducees. He gets all the religious arguments of the world. He reminds them. Remember, right after that, they went to the other side. They went from carnal unto spiritual because he's giving them understanding now. So he's saying, okay, guys, remember the miracles. Remember what I'm telling you about the Pharisees and Sadducees. He takes them into Caesarea Philippi, and now he's saying, who do you say I am? Why don't you think he didn't ask that question? Why do you think he didn't ask that amongst the people? Because those who follow Christ would be intimate enough with him to answer this question. Unless we truly know who Jesus Christ is, then there's so many things that we will either do or not do for him. This is the single most important question you can ask yourself as a Christian. Who is Jesus? You know, some people would say the Son of God, and he is. You know, some people would say King of Kings, Lord of Lords. But the thing is, is do you really know that to be true for you? Is he really your Lord, or did you only get that title from just reading and hearing what other people have said? Has he been that to you in your life? That's what's most important. So right now he's asking them, guys, who do you say that I am? Because it's clear that the Pharisees and Sadducees, with all their Old Testament knowledge, they don't even have a clue. Mm -hmm. So he says, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias as in Elijah, and others Jeremiah as in Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am, guys? Verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's what we should all know. That if he is Messiah, then he's coming to lead us 
right back to eternal life, the right way. That means that he cannot be wrong if he came from God. He is all that we need. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now a lot of people will, will um, take this verse and they try and equate it with the Catholic Church, saying that, you see, Peter was the one that God gave the keys to, so we ought to, you know, reverence Peter. That's not what he's saying. He was saying, Peter, I have named you Little Stone. But upon, because Peter, in some ways, knowing who Christ was, was kind of like Christ. So he said, Peter, you a little stone. But he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon that faith in Christ, that rock that is supposed to be unshakable, that we are to build our homes on, that is what he's going to build his church on. Who do we say that Jesus Christ is? So you see that this has become a lot more personal for us and much more important than just knowing that he is the son of God. He says, hey, what do other people say? But what do you say? So do we know Jesus as that Christ? Is our faith built on this belief that he is the son of God? And when we look at that and we call ourselves having a relationship with him and walking with him, do we realize who he is and what he can do? Do you realize that there is no limit to what he would do for his? I want us all to get out of that carnal mind and understand what I'm saying. I, I know that we talk about carnal things and things that we may want and things that we might desire. But understand that if you are with the king of kings, then there is nothing else that you need. Because the world tries to take this from you. Well, he's got his limitations. There's always a place for Jesus. Hey, Jesus is the whole story. It's not history. It's his story. Verse 19. And I will give thee, give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what are these keys of the kingdom? Anybody know? So is he saying that's given to Peter? Or is he saying that he's given it to everybody? He would give these keys um, from the kingdom of heaven whatsoever you should. I think he was talking to all his disciples. This is dope. Yeah. It is related to Matthew 28, 19, where it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go mm -hmm. therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And I'm always with you, uh, even to the end of the age. Amen. And you know what that is? What's the only thing that's going to keep us going in Christ? The Holy Ghost. That's the keys. That's like he said, the authority. We don't get the authority unless we have the spirit. That's why Jesus said he calls for his sons to be joint heirs with him. And we have the spirit. We are sons of God. So we've got to understand that he said that which you bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. So that means that when you stretch forth your hand to cast out a demon, I want people to understand this. If we be in Christ, you stretch forth your hand in faith in Christ to cast out a demon. And you've got Jesus Christ on his throne, casting his hand out, saying, let it be done. 
That is the faith that we ought to have. What did he tell his disciples? Or what did he tell them when they called him Beelzebub? He said, but if I, by the, by the Spirit of God, ca by, um, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. And he said he cast out devils with the finger of God. So when we walk in that authority, there's no such thing as cancer. There's no such thing as HIV. Amen. There's no such thing as diabetes. Right. There's no such thing as the things that are supposed to be terrifying to carnal man. When we walk in this full faith and authority that even cancer has to bow to the name of Jesus Christ, which is the name above all. So this is what it's about in walking with Christ. One, knowing who he is. Two, obeying what he asked us to. And three, just, you know, having that authority because we believe him. God wants us to have unshakable faith, but this is a process, and this is what we're going to go through tonight. Look at verse 20. Then charged he, his disciples, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to shoot unto his disciples, how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. So as you can see, the Lord just showed them something spiritual. Peter here is in his carnal mind. Peter loves the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. But you see, Jesus said that he would go into Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he would be killed and raised on the third day. But see, Peter's understanding is to keep the Lord around and to keep the Lord from all hurt, harm, and danger. But you can see right now, Peter would be what Philippians 3 talks about, the enemy of the cross of Christ. We've got to understand this, that in many cases, when the Spirit tells you to separate and to spend time alone with the Lord, you may just have carnal people that are around you that love you dearly that do not understand what this process is about as in separation. You know, there, there are times when, you know, the Lord may be trying to tell you, okay, we need to be alone, but then you got your wife or your mother or somebody calling you and saying, you know, you haven't spent enough time with me. You know, what does the Bible say? Obey your mother and your father and your days will be long upon the land. We've got to know what this is to walk with Christ. So Jesus tells him, it says honor. That's right, honor. Jesus tells him, but he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest the things that be not of God, but are of but that are of men. So we understand that Peter for a quick moment is on the wrong side of things, and Jesus is telling the spirit of Satan that's trying to keep Jesus from the cross. You are an offense unto me because you savor not the things that be of God, but are of men. So what do we need to do? We need to figure out the things that are of God and those things that are of men. Because when the Bible says a man's foe shall be they of his own household, this thing is going to cut deep when you see people trying to deter you. And I honestly think most people don't even recognize that this is what they're doing. Mm -hmm that they really don't understand, but because they don't, the enemy can use those things against you. So it's important that we understand what God wants and what man wants. Yeah, bro. A question about number 20. So why did he tell him not to tell anybody? 
I think it's because they walked closest to him. And knowing this is a conclusion that people are going to have to figure out themselves. You know, everyone, what does the Bible say? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. That we've got to know Jesus for self. On the, in the judgment seat of Christ on the last day when we are before Christ, he's not going to let you tell him about anybody except what did you do for me. That's all he's going to want to know. You can't say, oh, but my pastor lied to me. Yeah, I'll deal with him. But my question is to you, what did you do for me? Remember what he told them in Matthew 7? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. So this is about us all knowing Jesus for ourselves. Peter figured it out, but he told them because they walked with him. And upon that faith, he was going to build his church. But the church couldn't be built yet because Christ had not yet died and was buried and resurrected so he could impart his spirit. So telling the people now would have probably been like to a moot point that people might have believed some things, but not really. So it took the death, burial, and um the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and this is what our faith is built on, is that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. Mm -hmm. All right, does that make sense? Answer the question. Yeah. So they were with him. So he says, uh, this is verse uh, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall... Uh, shall save his life, uh, shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So this is probably the toughest walk of a Christian because Jesus is making very clear that we have to give up one life for another. You know, we can't just do anything that we want. He's saying for the man that wants to save his life, he will lose eternal life. But for the man that uses his life to do the will of God will find eternal life. So this is a trade-off. This is, Lord, I'm here to serve you in this life, or am I going to serve me and be damned? That's important to think about. Then he says, for what is it, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, you know, every day you got the enemy trying to push the world on us, trying to tell us there's certain things that we don't have to worry about or have to do. But, you know, in a truer sense, every day we're fighting to not believe that this is the real world that God wants us focused on. Every day the devil is trying to convince you, no, this is reality. And every day the Lord is trying to convince you, no, this is not. This is temporal. This does not reflect what I am about, you know, and, I, and I'm getting to that because mm -hmm. we've got to understand what separation is, why he says it's not okay to walk with the enemy, why in the Old Testament he separated the children of Israel from the Gentiles, because even when Jesus performed the miracle of, remember, raising that girl from the dead, what did he say when the people mocked and they laughed? Remember, Jesus says she sleepeth mm -hmm. and they laughed. What did Jesus say? Put them out of the room. And he, who did he take? He took Peter and I think James and John and brought them in. Why? Because unbelief can really mess with your faith. Yes. What's killing us is, is worldly people and things that are around us that are absorbing us. We've got to really walk with Jesus and draw closer to him. So in order for elevation, 
We have to know when it's time for separation that we may give God what he needs. Amen. Two times we've seen this with Jesus or two good examples. You know, one was um, when he would go to a mountainous place to pray. Remember when Jesus was with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, you know, guys, wait for me here. And he said, pray, lest the hour of temptation come upon you. He went off to pray. He came back, found them asleep. And then he said, you guys could not even watch with me for one hour. And they were just like, you know, oh, all right. They, they decided to pray again. He walked away, came back, found them asleep. Finally, the third time, he said, you know what? Sleep on now. It's okay because I understand that I'm in this alone. So you see, Jesus had to go and do this by himself. This was his cross to bear, like we all ought to bear ours. But if we don't even understand that we've got a cross to bear, and that cross is only to kill you, that Jesus Christ might live in you, then, man, we, this is Christianity 101. This is what the real story is that we might pursue Christ. Mm -hmm. Because all the devil wants is to suppress that spirit, man, and tell the carnal man, enjoy life. That's right. Look at this, verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then uh, he shall reward every man according to his works. So every man will be, uh, will, uh, be rewarded to his own individual works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So what's he talking about? eternal life with his disciples. He said there'd be some. He didn't say all because Judas was here too. You see that? That's just something to think about. So I'm going to play a quick clip of uh, this video like just to, it's a Matrix video. I sent it to Martin last week, but one thing we got to understand about the Kabbalah and the, those that are in Kabbalistic teachings, they show you things on TV and they know, they, they have a belief system that if we tell you something, even if you don't know what it means, then they are exempt from karma. Karma won't come to us if we tell you guys, but if you're too dumb to understand the hidden messages, that's on you. Now, we know that the Lord is going to come and punish evil, but one thing we got to understand is what Hollywood has been doing for a long time. Because Hollywood is the wood that witches use to cast spells from the holly tree. So what do they do? They sell you on dreams. Mm -hmm. But you would never believe how much truth they put on TV. But people, it's up to us or up to the spirit to reveal to us what these things are. So I'm going to play this clip real quick. You guys might remember this from the movie. But I just thought it was so relevant to what we're going to be talking about tonight. So, all right. I need to turn that around, huh? Hopefully it'll come up loud enough. All right, let's hear it. We can start it over real quick. We can start it over real quick, but turn it up soon. Just want people to hear this part. You can take it up to the max real quick because I'm going to turn it off okay. afterwards. Okay. You guys ready? Take two. Mm -hmm. 
matrix is a system there. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. Were you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? I was, again. It's another training program designed to teach you one thing. If you are not one of us, you are one of them. What are they? Sentient programs. They can move in and out of any software still hardwired to their systems. That means that anyone we haven't unplugged is potentially an agent. Inside the matrix, they are everyone and they are no one. We have survived by hiding from them, by running from them. But they are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors, they are holding all the keys, which means that sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them. Some. I won't lie to you, Neil. Every single man or woman who has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. Why? I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. Because of yours isn't. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. It's the Holy Spirit calling. <laughs> so, you know, that's pretty awesome to understand because what he was saying is that everybody that's not, that is still into the world, still plugged in, is an unbeliever. And I mean, this is true. I mean, you know, we rely so much on education, banking, all these different things, but every single thing is tied to the enemy. Everything that we can think about, the enemy is using one way or another against Jesus Christ. Now, what he told Neo, our Jesus Christ had already done. Remember, he said they are the gatekeepers. And sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them. He says they've got all the keys. Jesus has taken those keys. So see, at one point where it might have been, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know what it is today? People, let Pharaoh go. Give give it to the Lord. Give him time. So you see, now that people of the Jesus has opened the door to where we can follow him fully, we're like hanging on the Pharaoh's leg, like, no, no, I need my MTV. I need this. I need that. I've got to make it. You know, so these are the things that the Lord is trying to set us from. But did you guys see the woman in the red dress? You know who that was? That was the whore of Babylon. Now, notice, Neo was just walking by everything, ignoring it. He was following Morpheus, who was supposed to be a type of John the Baptist, up until he saw the woman in the red dress, and she took all his attention. So much so that 
he was just like looking. He said, Neo, are you listening to me? Or are you looking at the woman in the red dress? Well, we did a teaching on the Whore of Babylon, and we got to understand that um, this world is one big harlot. The Bible says in Revelation 17, the harlot sits on many waters. Many kings and queens and whomever have fornicated with this harlot, that they have drank from her cup, and they are drunk with the wine of her fornication. So we've got to understand that if you're not drinking from the Lord's cup, like like uh, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 10 talks about, then you're drinking from the enemy's cup. And it's that blindness that we have that is hard for us to be set free. That's what we're fighting against. What is real? And, and you see, that harlot doesn't care. You think a harlot cares how faithful you are to your wife or to your husband? I mean, I mean, think about this. Do you think they care anything about that if you come by once a week versus seven days a week? As long as you're unfaithful, then, then that's all that matters because our God says that for them that are of Christ are called, chosen, and faithful. So I'm not telling anybody to quit their job or anything. I want people to get an understand of, understanding of even what Hollywood knows that the church doesn't know. Mm. This is what's so important. Hollywood can put it on screen and make fun of you, and we sit there fighting for our seat in church or arguing for the world. This world, man, is not for us. All we're doing is, like Jesus said, you know, being faithful with what we have that his righteous works might be done. But if you're trying to build dreams here and stuff like that, all you're going to end up doing is working for the enemy. So if we're working here and we're building and we're taking what the Lord has given us, taking care of our families and our friends and being faithful to what he has given us, then, man, there's no problem here. But if we are using it for our own gain and what we can enjoy in this life for us, we are in bed with the harlot. Because, like I said, there's going to come a point the devil is going to cut this from us. And we need to figure out what we're going to do. But if we're full of Christ, what difference does it make? And, you know, I believe that in the end times, that is your safety valve, Christ in you. He had to tell his own disciples, did you not hear the story of the 4,000? Did you not hear the story of the 5,000? And you're still worrying about bringing bread and money with you? Man, we, we should be beyond that by now because I've shown you that whether you have or you don't, somehow I always make a way in this. And right now, he is showing us through work. He is showing us through offerings and things that people are doing for us. You know how you can quit one job and get another? That's not because of your resume. That is the grace of God. This is what God has given us time to do that we might get built up. So what is his grace doing? Okay, you don't have to worry about food. You don't have to worry about getting around. You don't have to worry about, you know, um, being homeless. Okay. Because right now I need my words done. But one day these things are going to be taken from us and who are we going to rely on? So this is the grace of God not to enjoy our lives and do what we want to do, but to take this time to do the righteous works of God. And I'm not saying about, you know, other things. If God's got us in certain places right now, there's a reason for it. But don't mistake Jesus Christ for the harlot. They're two different in nature. One is of God, and the other is of the enemy. Now, one more clip, and we're going to get into this thing. Let's go to 1 John 2. 1 John 2, and we'll start at verse 15. And I'm going to play this other clip real quick. 
But isn't it interesting, man? They were quoting scripture to us, you know, in their own little way. Right. I believe we are at, let's hear this. This is called How Your Brain is Getting Hacked. This will change everything you know. This is a 2018-2019 new video. He was the nation's youngest Eagle Scout at the age of 13. Oops, that's not it. And twice journey. You want to psychologically figure out how to manipulate you as fast as possible and then give you back that dopamine hit. We did that at, brilliantly at Facebook. Instagram has done it. WhatsApp has done it. You know, Snapchat has done it. Twitter has done it. Tell us that I love that analogy you made on 60 Minutes about the slot machine. Yeah. That the phone is really a slot machine and every time people are checking, they want... They want to get um, yep. some sort of goose. I mean, it's built into our brains of variable schedule rewards. So uh, if you pull a lever and sometimes you get a reward and sometimes you don't, sometimes you get a reward like you're invited to the Bill Moore show, and sometimes you pull your lever and you get a newsletter on email you want to throw away, uh, it makes it addictive. And so everything about our phone accidentally becomes a slot machine because it could be a text message from someone you love or it could be nothing. But uh, the more frequently it buzzes, the more it conditions us to check more. And so it's obviously leading to these kind of addictive problems that everybody feels. Right. The thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them to really understand it, that thought process was all about how we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible. And that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while um, because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever. And that's going to get you to contribute more content. And that's going to get you, you know, more likes and comments. And it's a, it's a, val it's a social validation feedback loop that, that it's like a, I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing that a, that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in, in human psychology. And I just, I, th I think that we, you know, we, the inventors, creators, you know, and it's, it's me, it's Mark, it's the, you know, Kevin Systrom and Instagram, it's all of these people, um, understood this consciously, and we did it anyway. What are some examples of, um, you know, apps that people use um, on a pretty regular basis um, and, and the ways that these companies are drawing this in. Have you noticed if you ever log into uh, Twitter as an example? So there's an extra delay that you don't know how long it's going to take. It's between two and three seconds um, where that the number of new notifications on Twitter you have. So why is that there? Well, it makes that into a, what's called a variable schedule reward. It's like a slot machine. So you're playing the slot machine and there's a time delay and you're in that time delay your anticipation is building and then you get to see how many notifications I get. And so you become more addicted to checking it again the next time. That's your real point, is that these companies, and that's what I was saying in this essay a couple of weeks ago, is that companies just like the tobacco companies, just like food companies, it's not enough that we just like the product. We have to be addicted to it. And that is something kind of evil. Well, and the reason, though, that this, this, this we need you to use it as much as possible thing comes from 
is because of the attention economy. There's only so much attention. The attention and, economy, I mean, right. Because when information gets abundant, the only thing that's left is attention gets scarce because there's only our lives to fit it inside of. So then it becomes hyper-competitive. And, and the reason people are stupider, to your point, is because they don't read anymore. And the reason they don't read, there's no time. Because yeah. they're doing this bullshit. Anyone who uses social media might admit it can be hard to tear yourself away. Now the former head of Facebook says that's exactly what the founders intended. And like the site he helped create this morning, he has our attention. The 38-year-old mogul admits he, along with other pioneers of social media, knew what they were doing. We understood this consciously, and we did it anyway. Facebook estimates it's more than 2 billion users spend about 50 minutes per day on its apps, including Instagram and Messenger. It literally changes your relationship with society, with each other. While the medical community has yet to classify social media as addictive, like alcohol or gambling, one recent study found that participants who appear to use social media most compulsively show changes in the part of the brain that controls impulse. It off. That's what I'd say. It's 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 hard for young people now because they're hard. they're addicted. If you don't think you're addicted, and I'm talking about anyone from the highest to the lowest, if you don't think you're addicted, then see if you can turn it off for a week. It got quiet in here. Didn't it? didn't it get real quiet? It's a tool, so we should use it. God has blessed us with free will. Now it's free will magnified, free will on steroids. You're free to go in any direction you want. It will allow you, and it's not the enemy. It's just a it's it's just a reflection of our own free will. Oh, and and we all want to be liked, but now we want to be liked by 16 million. And will now some of us do anything to be liked? We we used to do anything to be liked, but it was the by the person in front of you. Now it's to be liked by 16 million people that you don't know. We have to ask ourselves, what is the long-term, if not too, the short-term effect of too much information? This event is for people that want to get into real estate. It wasn't just, here's how to build a house, it's here's how to have a successful business. I'm... People like to share. After all, we are social animals. But somehow the age of social media has got us sharing more and more, no matter how uninteresting it might be. Even though we know every post gives marketers more and more information about us. So why do we do it? And could we stop ourselves even if we try? We have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. That is truly where we are. And I would encourage all of you as the future leaders of the world to really internalize how important this is. If you feed the beast, that beast will destroy you. If you push back on it, we have a chance to control it and rein it in. And it is a point in time where people need to hard break from some of these tools and the things that you rely on. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. No civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth. And it's not an American problem. This is not about Russian ads. 
This is a global problem. Today, wherever we go, we're inevitably surrounded by fellow citizens staring into their phones, as we usually are too. So the goal is to keep us on our devices longer. Why? For any company whose business model is advertising or engagement-based advertising, meaning they care about the amount of time someone spends on the product, uh, you know, they make more money the more time people spend. So the game becomes, how can I throw different persuasive techniques to get people to stay, to spend as long as possible, and to come back tomorrow? Today we live in a world now where it is easy to confuse truth and popularity. And you can use money to amplify whatever you believe and get people to believe that what is popular is now truthful and what is not popular may not be truthful. And the reality is now I can take money and I can use that through all of these social media systems that exist to hundreds of millions of people and I can convince all of Joe's friends and everybody like him of my opinion in very subtle and small ways. And he can do the same to me. We can do that about vaccines. We can do that about gay rights. We can do that about bathroom laws. We can do that about Roy Moore. And so I think the question we have to ask ourselves is how do we live in a world where this is not possible? So how, how do we prevent social media from not being a delivery system for fake news? Because Hillary Clinton was out talking about this this week. Yes. She, she said the other side was using content that was just flat out false and delivering it in a very personalized way. Yeah. If you look at Facebook, the vast majority of the news items posted were fake. What do we do about this? Well, I mean, so the thing is there's this myth that technology is neutral, that it's up to us to choose how we use it. Therefore, these platforms are not responsible. It is not true. Because the <laughs> it's because, not true, because right? these companies, not because they're evil, but they need to get as much attention as possible. They're evil. So if something that is sensational, <laughs> if something is sensational, they have to show you the sensational thing that you gets more attention than if they showed you complex things that got less attention. They have to. And, you know, anybody who runs a website or you know knows this. What all of these systems do, every single one, is it exploits our own natural tendencies in human beings to get and want feedback. And that feedback, chemically speaking, is the release of dopamine in your brain. And so what these feedback loops do, and they exist everywhere, in Call of Duty, in other video games, in social networking sites, they get you to react. And I think that if you get too desensitized and you need it over and over and over again, then you become actually detached from the world in which you live. You become callous, you become crude. And you live in front of your screen. I just wanted to bring that forward because this is exactly what we're dealing with. And now you see why we got to get our minds out of here. Why your mind cannot stay in the world and think that you'll be okay. That guy just said, and this is true, how people can take situations and just because it's popular, they can make it seem like it's true. But just because it's popular doesn't make it more true. So when you look at things like Caitlyn Jenner, who we know is a decathlete is Bruce Jenner, and they can sit there and tell you that that's a woman, and you know that that's a man. You see how they're trying to gray your mind from truth. And, you know, this, this thing cuts deep because Denzel Washington was talking big talk on there. He was talking some truth, but how much of the devil does he even realize that he's in line with? 
You see how everything goes back to Jesus? If he's not your Lord and Savior, your mind is going to go in so many other places and you won't be single-eyed as Christ calls us to. So you see, we can't really be in this world and do what we want to do and think that it's not going to have some effects on us. Right. We got to give the devil a little more credit than that. Yeah. So this is First John um, 2, and let's start at verse 15. So he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what is he talking about? The cosmos. He's talking about the, um, you know, that's what the word for world means. He's talking about the trends, the fashions, the way that the world does things, these things that are against God. He said, if you love any part of this world, the love of the Father is not in you. Okay, because Paul makes clear in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, remember he said that I have a crown of righteousness. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Therefore, there is, um, henceforth, there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me, but not for me only, but for all them that long, that love his appearing. They're longing for the appearance of Jesus Christ. So real believers might be in this world, but they're not of it. Their minds are not focused upon the desires of this world. What they want is, Lord, I hope you come back soon and destroy this world. I can't wait to be with you. Now, some people, if you're carnally minded, that what I just said is depressing. That's gloomy. You know what I'm saying? Because, oh, man, so you mean to say I won't do this? Hey, I can't speak for anyone else. I want Jesus Christ to come back and tear this place apart. You mean to say I can mortgage a house for 30 years and still got to pay taxes on it and it's still not mine? You trying to tell me with everything that I try and do, I can't own a thing here and all I can get is temporal life and I'm going to sacrifice that for eternal life? Nah, buddy. See, something has got us messed up in this that's got us loving this and, and equating this with eternal life. What's more important than living forever? Can anybody tell me in here what's more important than that? How about eternal death? You know, because, I mean, it's just, what I'm saying is, this is what the world has done to our minds, that it's disguising itself in so many ways, making us think, hey, man, eternal life can wait. Right now, i got things to do. you got to understand, I'm a busy individual. But if you were to actually put that on a, on a blackboard with an equation, eternal life worth is worth versus 70 or 80 years, I mean, come on. It's like that's something you would sell your ticket in for right now if you could. But you see how the world can make you think, nah, 70, 80 years is important. I don't know what you're talking about. Eternal life, I can gamble on that. You know, and I think, I'm thinking that God is good and no matter what I do here, I'll be fine. Man, this is what I'm saying is what the world is doing to us. We're not even hearing Huh? If, you, if you you know if you don't believe that it's you know eternal life is important, then you're just going to gamble with it. It's like, exactly. Well, maybe I'll one of these days, yeah. But till then, I'll just do this. You know. Exactly. And then the Bible says each day is not promised to us. Yep. But look at how the world can make you fight for a temporal life versus an eternal one. And this isn't even God's kingdom we're fighting for. Mm -hmm. Just to show you what the enemy can do. Verse sixteen: For all that is in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
Now, can you guys think of anything in this life that we could love that would not be on this list? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's almost everything that we're either wearing, we own, or things that we're doing. Think about it. Think about it. All Everything falls under this category. Everything. And I'm not saying throw all your stuff out. The point I'm making is, is that we've got to recognize these things have no value versus what God wants. If we desire these things, then he says the love of the Father is not in us. Yeah. It's like we have clothes on our backs and a coat and everything, but like you said once before, if you see a homeless person that doesn't have a coat, Lord might tell you, you can always get another coat, but they, they may not give them yours. And if it doesn't have any value to you, no matter how expensive it is, then you'll say, you know what, it's not important. I can always get another And one. totally, hey, I'm speaking to myself concerning this, knowing that there's a lot that I still need to part from. So don't think that I'm sitting here trying to tell people, see, y'all don't understand how it is. Hey, I understand what's going on, mm -hmm. but I'm praying for more faith to be delivered from it all. I want to be able to have this place burned down and me not to care, mm -hmm. you know, or someone to just say, hey, you know, give me this. And that's what I got for rent. Hey, Amen. The Lord said, give it to you. There you go. And not even to think a half a second afterwards what the Lord is going to do for me. Mm -hmm. I told Sarah. Oh, good. Sorry. I was going to share something about yeah, the yeah. coat. It's funny because I, when, I, when I bought this coat, one of my friends works for Columbia Sportswear, so he sent me an e-coupon like that for half price. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I put it on, it's like, like the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know, if somebody needs your coat, you give it to them. Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for somebody to ask me for it. It's like, it's right here if you guys want it. That's right. <laughs> You know, right? I'll tell you. It's like it's the weirdest it. thing. It's like it's just that coat. Mm -hmm. So I'm expecting one of these days somebody's going to say, hey, you know, I need a coat. Exactly. Here it is. <laughs> exactly. So look That's at verse. <laughs> exactly. Look at verse 17. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, this is, this is key what John said in 17. The world is going to pass away. Not just the world, the lust thereof. You think sitting in a lake of fire, you're going to be worrying about how, what you can be in this life? Oh, no. I want people to think about this. Judgment Day, because we got a teaching coming on that. That guy, remember the video that we heard a few months back? Oh, yes. There was a guy that seen the Lord. The Lord came to him oh, yeah. and um, sent him a dream because he said, Lord, I really want to know what it'll be like, Judgment Day. And he said he looked and it was like a, what did he say, like a sea of blue. You know, and he saw other like spirits. He said he didn't have a body, but there was like he was like some clear image. And he said, this has got to be our souls. So there were a bunch of souls online. And he said, man, it was like endless. The line, you know, of people. Multitudes. Exactly. And while it was they were going forward, he said all he kept hearing was a voice like, I mean, a real depart from me. And he said, all you hear is people screaming like, you know, whatever. So he said he finally got to a point where. He was able to see like the shadow of Jesus. He was like a big gray shadow. And he said eventually he got to see him. And he said the scariest thing that was on that line was that if you struggled with something that you heard the person ahead of you was dealing with, he said, man, that, that sent you to shivers. And when the Lord said, depart from me while they were talking, he said the people would go flying like into a hole and then the scream would come afterwards. So he said, like, the hole was on the, um, the fiery hole was like, and then the hole would close back up. So he said when he got to the Lord, when it was his turn, 
He said, man, I was scared to death. But he said he noticed that there were a bunch of seeds in his chest. So the Lord um, said to him, the Lord just started talking. And he said, man, the Lord just kept telling me all this stuff. And he didn't say one good thing yet. Like everything the Lord was saying was negative, negative, negative. And the Lord said, this woman that you were um, used to be with or whatever, why didn't you forgive her? And he said, Lord, but I did. And the Lord said, why do you got all those seeds in your chest? And why do you keep bringing it up after um, it was supposed to be over with? And he said, oh, my God. Like he said, that's what these are there for. That he was he was bearing the seeds of iniquity within him. So he said, eventually, the Lord just kept talking. And he said, I didn't even want to look the Lord in the eyes. He said, all I could see was that leg of fire. And I was thinking, man, it's over. He said he was just looking down. And then the Lord um, eventually just stepped back. And he said, there was like a peace that came over. And the Lord said, enter into my rest. And he said, as he walked in, that he saw his body actually get bigger. Like he was coming into full maturity in the spirit. But he said, man, there was a peace that came over him. But he said he was one of few, you know. So there's going to be, you know, nothing is more terrifying. But when he woke up from that dream, he said, man, he was under his kitchen table and afraid to do anything because he just knew that, that anything he could have done could have been added to him on judgment day. That's the kind of fear that we're supposed to walk in. You know, I've even begged the Lord, hang me out over hell for a half hour. If I've, if I've got iniquity in me that you need to take out of me, give me a real revelation that, hey, I can get more serious in my walk and give you more. But can you think of anything when he says, the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but him that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Can you think of anything more important than eternal life? See, and, and every now and then we've got to be reminded of this that we might come back to reality. Because we all know about this, but why bringing it up now is filling us with this kind of, yeah, that's true. See, it's not the first time you heard of it. It's the world being taken off of your mind so you can get serious again about what's most important. Mm -hmm. So you see, that's the, that's the place that the Lord wants us to be in, that nothing is more important than serving the living God. And, uh, you know, this is just something to think about. So he says... Little children, it is the last time, and as ye heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not all. But they were not of us. For if they had been um, of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So we've got to stop following the majority because we got a teaching coming up called Sheeple. You better know Jesus for yourself and have a relationship with him. He's saying that people are going to depart from you, but don't think about, you know, whatever happened. And hey, he says there's going to be a great falling away. People are going to depart. It's going to be people. No, brother, we came into the ministry together and they're going to just, yeah, but I got a wife and kids to feed. You know, Jesus even talked about this when he said, hey, I, um, he told that parable of the king asking his servant to go out and invite people unto this marriage supper. And what did he say? God told them, I just married a wife. I got a field to take care of. I got some oxen to feed. Certainly you understand. And what did they do? They begged the servant to say to them, oh, um, well, you know, 
Just explain that to him that we might have grace. He went back and the Lord said, forget them. Give me the maimed, the lame, the halt, the blind, the maimed, anybody that will come in for this marriage supper. He said, but they will not taste of my supper. So God is serious about where we need to be. Let's go to Exodus 5, and then we're going to get in this and then get out of it. But Exodus 5, and this is going to prove what we just heard as correct, is that the devil wants to waste your time. That is all he wants to do. Because Jesus said this, this um, when he say this, this word, this gospel shall be preached in all the world as a witness, and then what? The then the come. end shall come. So if the devil can delay the gospel, if he can delay the manifested sons of God, he gets another day. You know who doesn't want the world to pass away? The devil. Because this is his kingdom. But see, when we all start serving the Lord, that's going to that's gonna spark up a lot of things. Oh, yeah. All right, look at Exodus 5. This is going to prove that the video that we just heard is correct. This is Exodus 5 and 1. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is this Lord, that I should obey his voice, and let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So as you can see, the devil doesn't really want to let us go. He wants us to stay right where we are. And they said, The God of the Hebrews have met with us, let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence uh, or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you into your burdens? So what did the, the king say? The Pharaoh say, Okay. Since you're trying to talk to the people about liberation and freedom, you know what? I think that they got too much time on their hands. So what I'm going to do is let them work even more, even harder. You see how the more you try and be set free to work for the Lord, the bondage becomes harder. So then he says, and Pharaoh said, behold, uh, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick. Uh, as heretofore, let them go and gather straw for themselves. So what is the devil trying to do? Make them busier so they can stop thinking about freedom. This is what the devil is doing with our phones and other things that he's got us involved in. He's trying to keep us busy so we can't hear the voice of the Lord. And you know how he's done that in this country? He calls it the American dream. You see, you seek after it. You want it. You go after it. It means everything to you. You feel like a failure unless you do have it. Yep. But God operates in a system outside of this. So in your spare time, read Exodus 5 because we don't really have a lot of time to get into it. But let's go to Joshua 24 since we're here. Joshua 24, we'll begin at verse 1. Remember what the Bible says in Luke 4. Jesus resisted. What? He said, I only serve the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. Get thee behind me, Satan. But remember, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. He crucified the flesh. And how did Jesus return? In the power of the Spirit. 
So we got to understand Jesus separated to elevate. Remember what happened to um, Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Remember, he just called fire down from heaven, but Jezebel threatened his life and Elijah ran away. Okay, after that. And what did he do? He hid himself. The Lord had him rest, had him fast. And in, um, for 40 days, he fasted. And the Lord had him go out in the strength of that fast. And Elijah was a total different man. You know? All right. So this is, uh, where did I say go? Oh, Joshua 24. I'm busy running my mouth. Look at Joshua 24 and verse 1. And it says, and Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. So as you can see, they were at one point on the other side serving other gods. So were we. So were we. We were on the other side serving other gods. So now did he, what did he do? He brought them to the other side of the flood. How did we come to the other side of a flood? We are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and we are brought forward, leaving the world behind. That's what the baptism is all about. So then he says, uh, verse 4, And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and, the, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. So as you can see, when they tried to leave the world behind, you see Pharaoh and his soldiers came after them. The Red Sea is a type of water baptism that we go through. Coming over the Jordan, the Sea of Jordan is a type of fire baptism because it leads you into the promised land. Notice it was Joshua that led them into the promised land, not Moses. Moses took them into the wilderness. But you see, Jesus, which is another name for Joshua, led them unto the promise. So that's what the change in leadership was for, that they needed, you know, someone else that was going to complete the works. So what does the devil try and do? Keep you from getting closer to Jesus so that he can lead you unto the promises. Mm -hmm. Verse 7, And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side. So you see, the Amorites dwelt on the other side, not on the side of God, um, the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. So God is trying to remind them that this is what it's all about, that God had given them the land that their enemies had. 
that their enemies were standing in front of because God wants us to be victorious. Look at verse 9. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Boar, to curse you. Now, you guys remember how that happened? Balak, um, you know, um, Balaam went to the children of Israel and uh, he brought the Moabite women in there. And what happened? They started fooling around with the women and they forgot all about God. So this is how they, they he brought that curse in. The Moabite women were brought into the children of Israel and they forgot all about pursuing the Lord. So you see, the devil used harlots back then. He's using one big giant harlot today to keep us from serving the Lord. Verse 10, but I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites, which were giants, and the Parasites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Gergesites, and Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. So these are tribes of giants. Today they would be a type of demons that are trying to stop us from pursuing the Lord. Verse 12, And I sent a hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow, and I and I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwelt in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat. So understand this. He said that I would bring you in, not with a bow, not with a sword, and then he says, I brought you into a land that you didn't even labor in. And cities which you built not. What it, remember what the Bible says in, um, I believe it's in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. But he says that we are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He said that we dwell in temples not made with hands. Understand where this is coming from. He's talking about us being the temple of the living God and the Holy Ghost living in us. Mm -hmm. After the battle that he had with them, they were able to come into the promised land. So you see, God's focus is not a temple. It's not a building. God made us just like the temple, body, soul, and spirit, outer court, inner court, most holy place. Not only are we meant to be the children of a king, but we are to be priests that make sacrifices in this temple unto God, that his righteous works might be done. So this is verse 13. Uh, he, he said they were in vineyards and olive yards. Anytime you hear of that type of oil or vineyards, he's talking about the Holy Ghost. Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we've all got to come to that conclusion of serving God because he's saying, hey, what side of things do you want? Remember what Elijah told him in 1 Kings 18? He had the whole prophets of Baal out there and it was Elijah by himself and they spoke to the people. How hard ye between two opinions? If God be Baal, follow him. 
But if God, follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They couldn't draw their conclusion. Who should we follow? Where should we go? And that's why Jesus said, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, Peter came to that conclusion, and that's when they said that they would serve him. So everyone has to come to that place of God or Baal. He said, hey, if you guys want to go over there, Joshua's already convinced. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can't tell everybody else what to do. But it's clear that God wants some separation between those things that plagued us and those things that God wants. Man, this is important stuff. Amen. Let's go to Matthew 25. They repented right after and said, God forbid. That's right. Amen. And if you guys get a chance, because we don't have a chance to go there, but uh, read when the Bible talks about in Jude 1, the gainsaying of Korah. That was Korah, where they spoke against the Lord. That's in Numbers um, 16. But he talks about that they were, you know, still slandering the Lord, still going against him, not believing. So finally, God said, those who are on my side, come over here. Those who are on the enemy's side, go over there. And the earth opened and swallowed 23,000 that day. You don't want to fool around with God. You either want to be on his side or the enemy's side. The world was like, oh, that was just a natural. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And that's my thing is that. Like I was telling Christina and Sarah Sunday, I got no problem with, you know, knowing that we're not in that place yet to serve the Lord. But if you know that God is right, that's what's most important. Because eventually the Spirit can work with you and lead you unto that faith. But if you see it and you deny it, and you say, well, I'm not sure that's true, even though it's here written, then something is wrong. You get what I'm saying? Because you can't be serving the Lord and telling him his word is false. So it's it's okay to hear the truth and know where you should be and ask the Lord to give you that. It's another thing to fight against the truth. Amen. That builds us, that takes us into delusion. Because you start looking for things that are not true just to accommodate you. Alright, so this is Matthew 25. Where are we going to start? It doesn't say. So let's go to Matthew 25 and you know, remember it starts off with the five wise and five foolish. And it starts about those who were doing the Lord's will and those who didn't, you know, with the talents. Mm -hmm. So let's go. Uh, let's see. Let's look at verse uh, 29. All right. So Matthew 25 and 29. And he says, take, um, oh, for unto every one that hath, um, that hath, shall be given and he shall have abundance but from him that have not shall be taken away even that which he have and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered to uh, shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats and he shall set the goats on his right hand and the, I mean the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was in hungry and you gave me meat I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. 
naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when say, I mean, when saw we thee sick, or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done uh, it unto one of these least of these my brethren, ye have done unto me. So what God wants is for us to love the brethren. We did a good teaching, I think, on Sunday called them, I'm my brother's keeper. And we went over this a little, but it's clear that God is going to separate those who are doing his will from those who aren't. So these things can't mean anything to us. You know, we cannot be callous. He says he's going to separate, separate the sheep from the goats. And, you know, they're, they're two different types of nature. Sheeps are generally, you know, dumb, docile creatures. You know, you can persuade them one way or the other, but you turn your back on a goat, he'll butt you in your butt. So, you know, you're dealing with two different types of nature here. Goats are generally stubborn. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. Now some people can say, well, I don't have anything to give. I don't think that he's necessarily just talking about food. I believe he's talking about giving people the bread of life, yeah. the true vine that we can all eat from and drink from, yeah. that we can have his blood and his word, okay? That these are things that we should be sharing with people, and we're not. So then he says, I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not. So you can even say, okay, well, what about the stranger? Now, I do believe these are physical works, but these can also be spiritual. He said, I was a stranger. So, you know, a lot of people, and it's clear today in the church, we like to minister to people that we know. How about the stranger? How about someone from another faith or another culture? You don't think they needed to? He said, naked and ye clothed me. Couldn't that also not just be clothed? How many times, when Adam and Eve sinned before the Lord, they recognized that they were naked. Remember how Jesus said that people's righteousness would be taken from them and they would be naked, meaning godless, no God. Mm -hmm. So we clothe people with the righteousness of Jesus Christ when we introduce them to them and they accept it. So this is important because we are talking about, you know, physical things, but these are also spiritual. Then he says, sick and in prison and you visited me not. Jesus said he came to bind up the broken heart and to set the captives free. So you see, God can make us whole with his gospel. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger and a thirst, or a stranger or naked, sick or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Now, minister even puts more light on it because it's not just giving, it's, you know, serving with the word. And he says, then, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. Mm -hmm. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So I always say that if I don't have the money to give to anybody, you know, the next best thing is to preach the gospel. That's the first best thing. 
That is, yeah, bro. Keep going. Finish what you're saying. Oh, yeah, but the, you know, the first best thing is to preach the gospel. You know, first and foremost, we give what we can. But we all need to give people the chance to pursue Jesus and want him. Second Corinthians 6. Go ahead, bro. Make your point. So just your heart, just in that, without knowing that you're saying the word of God. Mm-hmm. Peter, mm-hmm. they were walking as a homeless man. That's asking right. for money. Mm-hmm. And they said, money we don't have. There you go. That's right. Remember that? When the, the man at the gate called beautiful? Yeah. Yeah, he said, you know, money, we have none. But, you know, you can have the spirit and be made whole. So and you got full restoration. Exactly. So and now as a spiritual, uh, spiritual example, it happened when physically he got healed, but spiritually as well. Second Corinthians 6. Yep, you're absolutely you know right. But see, that's the biggest treasure is the gospel, is getting people to know Jesus. So I'm not trying to take anybody's faith away, but I'm trying to get people to understand who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. I mean, to really know that he really is everything. And I mean, to believe that, not just in group, let's believe that always. You know, because the Lord has set me free up at work, man. I'm just ministering. I don't care. I'm like, hey, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I got a few people wanting to come to study and all. And hey, we're just going to keep, you know, going after right now. We got momentum. I'm not going to stop. I'm good for one or two warnings. They just better be ready for what I'm going to say to them in return. Mm -hmm. So then it says, look at verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? On what concord have Christ with Bilal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So, it's funny how he mentions being unequally yoked, righteousness with unrighteousness. But you notice here, he mentions fellowship. So, you know, is it is it possible that we can be fellowshipping with people that don't believe is strong? The Lord is saying to take this very seriously, because... There's nothing wrong with a willing vessel that might be trying to grow in more belief and more faith. It's another thing to have somebody fight you with the gospel and tell you certain things are not true. That's where we got to be wary and make sure that it's not us because when we commune, we should be on one accord. The disciples did not believe any different gospel than the one preached by Jesus. That's what gave them the faith. When they were all up in that upper room praying together, Who were they praying to? Think about this. They were praying to the same God and they all believed. That's what brings forth the power and where we should be. But look at 17. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That's a conditional statement. If he tells you, come out from amongst them and be ye separate, and touch not the unclean thing, then I will receive you. He called us the temple of God that we've got no right with idols. The only thing that should be in this temple is the Holy Ghost. That's something that we ought to think about. So God wants us to depart from idols that are capping the spirit from it really being the house of the Lord. Then he says, hey, I will receive you. So if you stay with the unclean things, he won't receive you. That's pretty clear. 18, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Man, what greater glory. 
What greater glory than to serve the living God? Let's go to Acts 1, and I think that I can be, yeah, Acts chapter 1. There's someone in the Word where it says, like, what communion do Christians have with non-Christians, but I haven't found it yet. Mm -hmm. It might be a different version, but that might be the same thing. Maybe, like, it might be in a um, different one. But, you know, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. You guys go to Matthew 13 in your spare time. The Lord gave seven parables about those who were of Christ versus those who were not. Mm -hmm. He made it very clear that those who would be of him would be weak. Those who weren't would be tares. He said, you cannot tell. Let them grow up together. That's God's grace, giving the tares a fair chance to do what is right. At the end of time, God is going to say, hey, I told you all. But we've got to know what it is to separate and to elevate uh, Acts 1. I'm running my mouth. I didn't even get there yet. In Matthew 16. 13. 13. Matthew 13 in your spare time. 7. And at the end of those seven parables, he says that he had to leave that place because people had no faith. He couldn't even perform miracles there because they didn't believe. So God knows what measure of faith we're all at. And all he wants us to do is believe. That's right. Let's believe. So this is Acts 1. We'll begin at verse 1. Now look at how clear the gospel is. But if we don't read it and believe it, we can miss it. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken. So remember, Jesus is doing right now and teaching, and it says, until the day he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So he chose them. He's, he's given commandments of the Holy Ghost. To whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. That means Jesus proved himself through miracles, prophecies being met, everything being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to what the kingdom of God. So he didn't talk to them about have your best life. Now every day is Friday. He didn't talk to them about everything that you can have in this life. Money cometh unto me. Now word of faith movement, none of that garbage. All he preached to them was things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Why? Because he says, set your affections on high and not below. Mm. That's what's killing us. He knows that we got to live below, but we've got affections on things below. Those are the things that are stopping up, you know, giving us cholesterol. That'd be a you good know, study for 40 days. 40 days. Because <laughs> people think that Jesus left, but he didn't. You know, he, was, he didn't leave as soon as he resurrected. He was with them for 40 days. You know, and, and showing them, and man, I got to read that. You're right, bro. I got to get more into that. But there were a lot of revelations. Remember Downing Thomas? Didn't believe. He said, Thomas, stick your hand in my side if you think I'm a spirit. You know, he was showing them. Thomas said, my Lord and my God, because he knew that that was Christ. So and, he, was, he was on earth for 40 years? Mm -hmm. Before he resurrected. He, he rose from the dead, but he didn't leave here until after 40 days. So look at that. Did he go back to his father? Because I remember when, yeah. when he came back, mm -hmm. Mary Magdalene was there, and she, he said, don't touch me because mm -hmm. I didn't go. He got to go into his father. That was during the 40 days, like maybe day, day one or day two or whatever. 
But you see, Jesus appeared to them, I think, six times. I think it was about six times they saw him in these 40 days. So he always meant for us to believe and have the faith, not on a dead promise, but, you know, showing us, guys, I'm here. You know, so believe me. Don't let death deter you. Don't let the things of this life stop you. Believe me. And I hope that we all get to the place of real faith where we can talk things in here like this and not have to debate it, that we all know what Jesus said is what he meant. Man, once he becomes everything to you, he becomes your house. He becomes your car. He becomes your money. He becomes your food. Man, then what else have you to worry about? I was telling Sarah just yesterday, I said, man, because I was telling Carlin about the Lord was speaking to my spirit that there'd be a drought. So he's been telling me saving and the enemy is trying to hit me every way he can. Like pulling up bills that I ain't seen in years. <laughs> you know, he's just trying to, you know, kill me. So I was telling Sarah, I was like, man, you know, devil's really wiping me out. But I said, you know what? I trust in the Lord. He will provide. I got to tell you guys a story later, but either way, the Lord did provide, <laughs> right? He did provide, you know, it's just how, um, man. Don't hold back a testimony. I know, no, I know. What a glorious God, but he made a way that money would come in far more than I expected, wow. you know, from someone, you know, that, that is trying to help keep this ministry afloat and do what we do. We go out, we feed the homeless or whatever, but, you know, we got to keep the money going because I want to do the righteous will of God, you know, and keep it coming. Mm -hmm. So he is providing, you know, even at the time where the devil think he's got my arms and legs tied and the Lord is like, you ain't done nothing, you know, because what I stand for, my economy is not a part of this. You don't need a job for the God, for God to provide. That's right. God provides because he is God. Mm -hmm. Verse four, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Uh, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore uh, were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of heaven? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. That word for power is not dunamis, that's exousia, which means authority. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So he wanted them to be witnesses, but he made clear Guys, the power is coming once the Holy Ghost come upon us. If we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you know the only thing stopping you from having this power? The world. flesh, the world, and the devil. Mm -hmm. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Mm -hmm. I promise you, because Jesus said this, if you subdue those things, Christ will live in you. But how many of us want to sacrifice this to do that. That's what it's about. But the devil keeps trying to convince you. Look guys. It doesn't matter how you live. Just give God his time. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says to be led by the spirit. If we walk in the spirit. And we live in the spirit. Let us also be led by the spirit. Jesus said for them that are of the spirit of God. You know. The, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Neither can you tell the sound thereof. 
so is everyone that is of the spirit. God is wise enough to know he's only going to put enough gas in your car for the journey that you're going on. God ain't going to give you a fulfilling to go home and knit booties or eat Cheetos. God is going to give you that filling because he knows that you're going to obey him. He's going to give you according to your measure of faith and what you are willing to do for him. That's right. That's what it's about. And that verse 6 says, restore again the kingdom to Israel. It's so interesting. Like at first when I was thinking about it, I was like, that's so weird. It makes it sound like there's something wrong with the kingdom, you know, like the mm-hmm. way it's said. But it's not like the kingdom is such this good thing that is supposed to be with us. And it's like we or Israel, you know, like tears away from that, you mm-hmm. know, and God is still so good when you come back to that faith to bring that unto you it's like mm-hmm. the kingdom is fine without you you know like it doesn't need you it's like right. a good thing created by god like mm-hmm. why would you walk away from that exactly we ought to jump on board with what god is doing because if we think by getting down on our knees and praying we're doing him a favor you know lord you certainly are happy to have me i mean god god's plan is going to go on without you let's get on the lifeboat and understand what grace truly is Let's get to know him, man. Mm-hmm. Let's have faith that we never had before. That's Not right. because of us, but because we believe God. So it says, uh, let's see. Let's go to verse 14. And it says, they all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. So they all got together with the disciples. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake uh, before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. But this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and and falling uh, headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. So Judas was once with them. Judas was partaker of every miracle that Jesus Christ gave the disciples, but Judas didn't believe. But if you notice, the Bible says Judas was a thief. You see, he was bribed for 30 pieces of silver. The devil found a way in. The devil even came to the Last Supper with Christ, and he's in the room. And I mean, you know, the only one that can see him is Jesus. The Bible says Satan entered into him because Judas was a thief. Judas wanted the 30 pieces of silver. So you see how just desiring certain things in the midst of a spiritual, you know, um, spiritual communion, how the devil can work his way in. Mm -hmm. And we've got to understand this when we're being led of Christ or led of Antichrist. Judas did everything that they all did but he still had just a little piece of the world left in him. Judas didn't want to crucify Christ. Judas was greedy because when he recognized that he had condemned Jesus, he was, oh, he wanted to give the money back. Like, uh-uh, a deal's a deal. And that's how the devil is. Keep your money. You want to trade your salvation for a bowl of pottage? The devil says, go ahead. For one little morsel of meat, if that is what you want, the devil will gladly give it to you. But God wants you to not trade this for anything. Man, our inheritance. How many people are talking about the inheritance? 
How many people are talking about being what Christ wants us to be? Man, forget this. The Lord can tear all this down right now. What we need is Christ. Man, don't you see the people? We might even have family members who are suffering. Some of them giving over to homosexuality. Some of them giving over to sickness, man. Criminals in prison, dying on their deathbeds. And the only answer for this is Christ in you. Man, we're calling for the Jesus to heal somebody. He put the gift in you. Man, if we be of Christ, then what can he do? That's right, amen. We're sitting there looking at people, wondering and listening to the doctor talking about their last, when their time should be up. Man, not in Christ's economy. He put it in you. That's right. And we could save people, but see, this is just an indication of how we, and I say we, how selfish we all are. Because though he put the treasure in an earthen vessel that we can strive for in order to obtain Christ, we won't do it because we love self. Understand that. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm saying that if we know that Christ is the only answer, and some of us have, you know, been baptized in the spirit to speak in tongues, and he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. And if that has happened to you, what else won't he fulfill? You know the gospel is true, but what's holding you? The world. And it's that that needs to be subdued. And I'm not apologizing for that because Amen. this is what needs to be done. The answer is here. He told Moses, I put the staff in your hand. What are you looking at me for? Let's live in the authority. He said, I have given you the power to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. It's not whether or not Jesus said that. It's what you believe. Amen. And in order to elevate, we've got to separate so that he can become more real and this world can die. Amen. That's right. That's good, right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Look up Hebrews 13 where the Bible says Jesus was crucified outside of the camp. Where will we be crucified? Outside of the camp. We cannot do it from the inside. We've got to be separated to elevate in Christ. That's right. Separation or how fast it's done is up to Jesus, not up to us. But let's get on that path and let him do what he needs to do within us. Because like Morpheus said, and I agree, the matrix is a system. This is a system. It's not computer generated, but it might as well be because this isn't real. The only things that are going to matter is Christ in you. And don't let anybody deter you from that. I don't care who's speaking. I don't care if your pastor fell from heaven. If he's not preaching eternal life, he is not of God. Well, Satan fell from heaven. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's what God says is what is. Thank you, Jesus. So let's let's separate to elevate that we might be of Christ, that his will is done. Give it up. Give it up. Right hand for the Lord. Amen. Right hand for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is it Paul or is he cast out? He was cast out. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. like what you're saying about that guy with the you know had the revelation. Like people just disappear but their voice follow him. So like just imagine like God is going thump. 
and it's gone, and his mm. voice is still going, whoa. Hey, mm. hey, but you can say Satan fell mm. too because iniquity was in him. Right. So he kind of fell away, you know, from the truth. But he was cast out. The Bible makes that clear. And it's so true. So, man, let's, you know, let's give the Lord what he needs. Let's get the job done, man. I think so, yeah. Yeah, you can see what it says there. Let's get the job done in Christ. So, I just have a uh, psalm here that the, the Lord gave me that I just want to read. It's called, What is Love? What is it that we think love is? Is it the warmth of a loved one's kiss? How do we think love is shown? Is it the smile from giving a rose? Where do we think love comes from? Is it in the words of a heartfelt song? The things listed are not true forms of love. Love is truth. Love is enduring. Love is patience. True love is telling others of the love of Jesus Christ, the only love that can actually save our lives. Love is not in candy or in flowers or in a card, but in knowing Jesus is with us when times are hard. Let's be married to Jesus first is the best advice. In trusting his will, you'll never have to think twice. Having Jesus' love in us, seeing others as he sees, that he will create in us his will to plant his seeds. Ephesians Cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know. The love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So, Ephesians <clears throat> 3? Yep, yeah, 3 and 14. Okay. Or, now yeah. we're down at okay. 19. Right. So, Sarah, I felt like that was such a perfect segue. And um, just kind of thinking about, too, everything that we talked about. And just the way this world's set up and how we're supposed to be set apart right mm -hmm. and this knowledge this wisdom that we're supposed to have you know that in order to know this love that Sarah was speaking of that Derek was speaking of early in this verse is speaking of this love of God that we cannot know without knowing God right amen how else are you going to understand that love and it says too it's the inner man inside of us you know that's separate from this world if we're being so influenced by that outside force 
we're not listening to the spirit man anymore. We're led by our flesh in that case. Right. And if we're led by the f- flesh, how is Christ going to dwell inside of us? He can't do that because you can't please God inside of your flesh, you know? Amen. It has to be that spirit on the inside. And to, the, and to know the knowledge of Christ, which passeth knowledge. So <clears throat> this love of God is past knowledge, like our understanding of everything. It's, it's deeper than anything that we comprehend that you might be filled with the fullness of God. So this walk and how Derek was saying, we have been given these abilities to do these things that Jesus Christ has done and more. So it says the, with the, all the fullness of God, that includes the healing. That includes other things like ministering. That includes everything. That's, that's the fullness. <laughs> so now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. And he says, world without end. You know, this world is going to end. So, I mean, that was a perfect way to cap off. And, you know, end this. I just want to tell people out there, I love you. You know, let's get out of the matrix and let's serve the Lord. And, you know, the word matrix is in this Bible. Yeah, it talks about it's a type of womb. It's mentioned several times. But I believe that womb is the world that we are to be born again, born away from, that we might serve the living God. Because yes. many ways, we're still hooked to the matrix. And what the Lord is trying to do is set us free. Mm-hmm. The matrix got many ties, mm-hmm. infinite ties. It does, you know. I mean, the matrix is it's really everywhere. But he's, remember Morpheus said, they're teachers, they're doctors, there's this, there's that. Everybody's hooked to it. And what happens when you preach the gospel? If you were to go to work right now, you get some backlash because they are relying mm-hmm. upon the system. He said they would fight to defend the system because they're not ready to be unplugged. Yep. And it's our job to get full of the spirit, get full of Jesus, and come in and tear this thing apart that we might set the captives free Bind the broken heart, heal them that are bruised, and preach the acceptable year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So any volunteers to pray out tonight? All right. Sounds good. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day to be able to spend with the brethren, Father. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wisdom and the knowledge that came through today through your spirit, Father. And Lord, I just pray that we're all taking this in, Father, to the inside, and you're renewing and changing our hearts so that we may walk in this, not even not even the next day, Lord, but the minute that we walk out of this, we don't change, Father. It doesn't matter where we're at, if we're at church, if we're at study, we're at work, this is exactly who we are, Father. So Lord, I just pray that you continually pull people outside of this delusion, Lord Jesus, of this world. People are so stuck inside the the ways of it, Lord Jesus, and this is not ran by you anymore. So, Father, we just pray that you continue to help us to pull away from the world and truly walk in your ways and your statutes, Father. And, Lord, not only just walking in it, but truly delighting in it, Father. So change our hearts, change our minds, Lord, so that we may do that, because we know carnally minded 
is not able to please you, Father. So help us, Lord Jesus. Help us to pull people into your peace, into your rest, Lord Jesus. And help us not stray away from the kingdom, but truly stay right inside of it, Father. Because that is exactly where you can be found, Lord Jesus. So please open up that secret place into us, Father, so that we may walk inside the kingdom and the kingdom comes in power, Father. So thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, Father. And thank you, Lord, for the people that you're continuing to pull into the ministry and you're just changing hearts left and right, Father, to be disciples for you and not for this world, Lord Jesus. But we look forward to that world without end, Lord Jesus. So thank you, Father, for the wisdom, the knowledge to be able to comprehend being on one accord with all the saints to a perfection in men of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In your most holy and righteous name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.